0: Hello, Maverick fans! Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. I am Jason,
1: and I am John, and Jason and I are thoroughly enjoying doing daily podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when we started the podcast and somebody, you know, back in 2018, and somebody had said, "Are you guys planning to do a podcast two times a week?" And we're like, "No, no, <laughs> we're not planning to do that." And so, Jason and I, within a a seven day time period here, will. We'll be doing four podcasts. So we'll be doing a month's worth of podcasts in a week because of the NCHC quarantine safety pod structure here. So this is a this has been a challenge. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of logistics going into it, but it's kind of fun to do kind of it's a slightly different format for us as opposed to the, you know, three topic structure, kind of more drawn out thing. It's like, boom, we're analyzing the game we're moving on to the next game and yeah
0: I think it's definitely interesting hopefully the readers enjoy the readers the listeners <laughs> uh, enjoy the different the different format I, I it's you know it's interesting we usually get bogged down sometimes in our podcast on you know ticket sales and clear bag policies and concessions and crazy things like that so to have to be hyper focused on the game is certainly something different
1: yes i'm sure that there are people who are very thankful that we (laughs) that we have to have a very narrow focus for this and can't can't jump down a rabbit hole i like those kind of interesting discussions rants that we get on but uh but we're hyper focused we're super focused whatever other modifier i want to use on focused that's what we're doing here Mm.
0: And today's focus is the Miami-Ohio game.
1: Yep, which just completed a few moments ago.
0: Yeah, and a very tight game. I was quite a bit worried for most of the game. We talked in the last podcast, if you haven't listened, uh, that... Omaha in the past has had the tendency to play down to their competition and uh, they find it easy to get up against Denver and North Dakota and those teams, but they just kind of falter uh, and find challenges with teams like Miami, Ohio uh, who are in a you know a pretty stable rebuild at this point in time uh, trying to make that progression to being back to a competitive team. It was zero zero at the end of the first. So there really wasn't much of anything to talk about except what happens in the last five minutes of the first.
1: Well, it was it was one of those games that honestly, it, it kind of reminded me of, you know, the four games we played against them last season, where you look at the strides we made in the 2019-20 season. And like I had alluded to on the last podcast, we did not do well against that team. You look at a season, you look at a, a kind of struggling, rebuilding Miami, and you think, you know, we you play four games against them in, in a season that, you know you can get two three wins minimum out of that series and and we didn't do that last season and the most you know disappointing outing last season was our our last one at the end of february where we went to miami and we got swept by a miami team that had only won one other game in the second half of that season uh against colorado college which is you know not a top tier team at all so That, that is kind of the conundrum. And I I was worried after the first period that that might happen again. I definitely thought we looked better than Miami, but it's one of those games where you let a a team like that stay close. It can cause problems. But yes, you were talking about the last five minutes of the first period in this game.
0: Well, I think that's the, that's probably one of the biggest storylines of the game. Um, Conley exiting the zone you know chooses to make contact with a, a Miami O player they they call him for I believe the initial call was roughing they review it and they determine that there was head contact worthy of a five minute and a game misconduct uh I'll go I'll start it and and give you my opinion I think that was a load of you-know-what. Um I mean, the two-minute penalty, I, I agree with the two-minute penalty. Like, you you should have avoided, you were, you were behind the player, they didn't see you coming, you should have avoided contact. You know, made every effort to avoid contact. I can get how you say that. But the Miami, Ohio player and, and the North Dakota announcers were clearly not agreeing with me on this, but...
1: No, and these and, and, and Jason let me let me clarify. These were not the North Dakota announcers. This was Ben Holden and Dave Starman. So they were not the two apparently so they've talked about this and I'm interjecting here, but North Dakota has their own broadcast crew for this weekend because they're on Midco Sports all the time and every other team gets a different broadcast crew. Then North Dakota, which I think is very, very interesting. So, no Starman and huh. Holden. Yeah, they they are they are independents. They're independent contractors here as far as this goes. But yes, they did not agree with you, Jason.
0: Well, they've. I don't know that I would argue that they're independent. I think that's a bit of a stretch. They, I think they spent the entire first period talking about Miami, Ohio, and the only time that they mentioned Omaha was as a way to lead into talking about Miami, Ohio. And I'm like, come on. But in any case, they don't agree with me. Jason is a very
1: bitter hockey fan here.
0: I'm not a bitter hockey fan. If you're (laughs) going to claim to be neutral, be neutral, not farce it like that. So, Okay, in any case, back to the point.
1: Yes. See,
0: as I see it from my vantage point, the Miami player had his head down. He was reaching. He was not head up. So he... I mean, his momentum and Conley's momentum, I think we're kind of both in the same direction. They make contact. When you're reaching like that and leading like that, you're leading with your head. So, of course, there's going to be head contact because the offensive player has to have some responsibility not to leave his head out there where, you know, it can be glanced by. And I feel bad that he got hurt, and I understand he didn't come back and, you know, concussion protocol and stuff like that, but... It just to me, it wasn't worthy of a five in a game. I I mean, I would have argued that it was even worthy of a five. I don't think that Conley there's. I didn't see anything that looked like he raised his elbow and tried to make contact. I mean, his arm was pinned to his side where he carries his stick. So it, it looked what to do me like expect the guy to do.
1: It looked it looked to me like his shoulder kind of nudged the guy's head a bit. Am I correct on that? Because that's what I thought. It kind of looked like they were a little bit on a, kind of a collision course and his shoulder kind of kind of hit the front of the helmet a bit. Just, I mean, just but the a, hard part in
0: that is, I mean, when you're gonna make contact or something, you have to in order to protect yourself as a player, you have you need to turn and square to the check. Because if you get a glancing blow, if you don't square yourself, there's a good chance that you're gonna get hurt. And so how much of that is Conley trying to make contact or how much of it is just him trying to make sure that he doesn't get hurt in a collision with a guy who wasn't looking?
1: Yeah, potentially trying for like a clean check there. You know what I'm saying? And that's the question. We talked about this a lot last season. Uh, as it regarded the the emphasis on contact to the head was, you know, how do you determine intent in situations like that? You know what I'm saying? Because it seems like they've they've had a penchant for calling any little contact to the head. It's like, boom, you're automatically out of the game.
0: And again, consistency, I think, is key. And last year, that was my big argument was, I mean, if these things are going to be called game misconducts then they always have to be called game misconducts and that was not the case because the exact same thing happens to Omaha and you know all they get is a two-minute penalty and they start coming up with crazy explanations as to well you know x y and z is the reason why it's different and it's really not that different you just don't want to make that call against that team and and that's the part that it feels like from a fan standpoint um, I argue the same thing with friends of mine that have a uh, Denver podcast. And I said the same thing happened to Denver a number of times. I said the only time it, it goes in Denver's favor is when they play Omaha. So I, I, I it's not just Omaha that feels this way. And even in this game, it wasn't consistent because earlier in the first period, uh, Miami, Ohio player takes a penalty for cross-checking. Uh, I believe it was a bate. Um, Abate was turned, head towards the boards, numbers showing the player, he cross-checks him. It's not flagrant, like it's it wasn't a, a bad hit. He clearly kind of let up, but the rule should be that if you make player, if you check from behind or cross-check someone into the boards, I don't care if you could have done it worse or not. You did it, therefore it should have been reviewed, and I don't see how that's any different than what they did to Conley, but... Ultimately, the decision by the referees was that it was worthy of sending Conley to the locker room, and we were without him. And up until that point, I thought he was our best forward.
1: Well, and in addition to Jason not agreeing with the call, Jason's daughter Lexi <laughs> didn't agree with the call and felt a need to uh, to text Bridget. But we know, uh, we know. I've watched, uh, I've watched your daughter play youth hockey. We all know what a goon she is on the ice, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> All twenty-two, <laughs> all twenty-two pounds of her. All, again. all twenty-two pounds of your daughter. Yeah, uh, we've talked, you know, about this, and we've talked about the fact that one of the appealing things about hockey is the physical nature of the game, and the emphasis on player safety in in recent seasons has, you know, inevitably, it's it's. A, created a a change in the game. And it's, it means that the game as time progresses is going to become a much more finesse game. And I don't know if I like that. I don't know if that's something that I want to see. I, I like the hard hitting nature as somebody who grew up a football fan here in Nebraska. I want to see those hard checks. I want to see a physical game and, and that, that game seems to be disappearing where there's less contact between players less checking it is more of a finesse game and as teams are concerned about losing some of their best players you know to game disqualifications because of these penalties so it brings up a lot of questions and and again i don't know what the answer is jason has uh, has his feelings on the topic uh <laughs> as we are well aware, because we've discussed this before. Because um, it's not the first
0: time he's brought it up, I know. It,
1: it didn't feel particularly flagrant to me, and that, and that's that's, that's my question on the whole thing. And I, 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 I think you have to be able to judge intent, you know?
0: My question for the referees, if we were ever given a chance to, and I don't expect that we would ever get this chance, but given the chance to ask that, my question would be simply this. What... What could Conley have done or what should Conley have done to avoid that situation? Because I look at it going, I'm not so sure there's anything that Conley could have done to avoid contact. And I find it very difficult to see how he could have avoided making contact with the head because of the way the offense of player was stretched out. Like, he didn't headhunt him. He didn't go after him. He didn't go out of his way to make contact. It was just two guys that ran into each other. One of them wasn't looking up.
1: Well, it's it's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with uh you know, athletes on skates. You know, it's it's yeah. uh it's inertia. It's objects in motion tend to stay in motion. And that's what that looked like to me. It just looked like one of those kind of random sort of sort of unfortunate, you know, kind of collision there. It didn't seem particularly egregious. I guess you could see on the film something that would suggest that maybe he, you know, moved his shoulder a bit. But again, it's hard to tell when you're watching something in slow motion. When you're watching that same thing at fast speed, it may look completely different. You know what I'm saying? Right. And
0: I will give props to the to the refs to this in that, you know, this game happens quickly and they need to be comfortable making the call and i like the setup that they have where on the ice in real time they looked at that and said it was bad enough for at least 2 minutes right okay i i'm fine with that like i'm i i agree that they saw something there that was worthy of at least 2 minutes and that's okay it's the it seems like they go into the the video review booth looking for a reason to give out more consequence than they maybe initially saw. Because to me, like, if you're going to go all the way from two minutes to five and ten in a game, why didn't you see it as a five-minute pound? Like... I think that they should call it, a, if they call it a two-minute, then it's two minutes. And if they call it five, then you can go and look and decide whether or not that five deserves the game misconduct in addition to it or not. But to go all the way from, yeah, you know, live, that was just a two-minute penalty to, oh, yeah, nope, the kid's gone, is like, I yeah, that's a stretch to me. You To me, that you do that because you went into the box looking for it. That's how I see it.
1: They are so gun shy about getting judged negatively for not making a call that protects player safety and sends a message that, uh, as you said, it's possible that they just automatically default to that position. Yeah. Anytime, anytime the head, you know, has any sort of contact at all. Well, except last year. Keep in
0: mind, I'm sure that most of the Mavs fans remember this. We lost Seville for... You know a number of games because a player comes across when he goes down to make a save and sticks his elbow out and t- takes his head off with his elbow. Yeah, and it we, wasn't even two minutes. They didn't even call him for go goaltender interference. It was nothing. Yeah, we
1: we had we had a few instances like that with Seville where they seemed to uh they seem to go after his head, go after the helmet. So uh right. So yeah, there's definitely uh, games being played out there. So yeah, it. Yeah, always frustrating. Always frustrating Jason. And I, I knew early on in the game that, that was that was going to bother you. And I think we were probably both bothered as we said that it was zero zero after one, because you look at a team like Miami. Obviously UNO has more talent than Miami, but uh but you let a you let a team like that hang around too long in a game, yeah. it can spell trouble.
0: So Miami goes on a five-minute power play, unlimited scoring, five-minute power play. Uh with well, I think they had about four minutes left, if I remember right.
1: Yeah. In the period. Three four minutes when they came back from uh, intermission. Right
0: when they came into the second period, um, and I think that's where Omaha really shined was. I don't know that they had more than a couple shots.
1: I think they they had one shot on power plays during the oh second period. Yeah. So UNO did a good I, job shutting down the Miami yeah. power play.
0: And UNO gets a couple opportunities on the power play. Wasn't, they weren't able to score on him, unfortunately, but
1: till the. About the midway through the second period, Chase Primo gets the first goal of the game, puts UNO up one to nothing. And that one was
0: on the power play. And that was one of those power plays that kind of looked a little bit dis.
1: Disjointed. At least at the beginning, kind
0: of a little bit of disjointed, yeah, and then they get in there and they just make some, they make some good plays and and Chase gets in the right spot and a good seeing eye shot from the point and. Tip
1: goes. Yeah, in. Br- Brandon Scanlon puts that thing on net from the First National Bank logo out by the Blue Line Club. It reminded me of former Mav great Greg Zanin as he fired that thing in. And then it looked like Primo got the tip on that goal. And that was a great goal to put UNO up. That's the thing we talk about all the time is just put a shot on net and good things will happen.
0: And then the third period comes and unfortunately Miami ties it up in the third on, I mean, a, it was a good goal. It, they, they got the puck to the net, something that they struggled with doing, you know, most of the game and, you know, they're rewarded with a net front player finding a puck loose and sliding it past Seville.
1: Yeah. And at that point you're worried. Cause that's about, Midway through the third period at that point, and suddenly, you know, you've got a tie game and it really shortens the game for a team like Miami. They don't have the talents. They don't have the speed. They don't have the, the scores that UNO has, but it's a it's a tie game at that point. All it takes is some, you know bobble some funky bounce some you know junk goal down by the crease that they can put in and they can win that game and i'm just sitting there like oh don't let it happen after that great 10 to 2 win against western michigan the other night don't blow a game against a team you really should be able to to beat
0: yeah and i thought we had it late in the third (sighs) um Trying can remember who it was that Weiss got the, it was a bit of a, just a, a broken play in the neutral zone. And we were able to get it up and Weiss came just darting in.
1: Oh yeah. And he and slid the, he he slid the puck across the, yeah, right in front behind of the crazy. The,
0: he reaches behind the defense, slides the puck across the goal mouth. And I can't remember who was on the other side and just missed the net on it. I mean, it was just a bang, bang play. And I thought right there, I thought we had the
1: game one. I can't remember who that player was. I, for some reason, I'm thinking it was either Randall or or Glenn, but I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember I, who that was. But I
0: was thinking it was Glenn, so we'll go with that. I, I think it was Glenn. We'll see yeah. If we're right. You
1: know, and I'll tell you, we haven't talked about him much, but he's actually, you know, for one of the kind of quieter players when it, uh, the incoming recruits, he's actually played well the first three games of this uh, this pod format. So that would have been a great goal there. He put the puck where it needed to be. It didn't quite go in. We end regulation, tied one-to-one, and it's UNO's first overtime game with the new playoff format, which there was some debate on Twitter about the uh, conference points and the playoffs. So Jason and I talked about it before the podcast because we had not talked about this yet. Instead, we spent our 80-minute-plus podcast talking about... Something else apparently, but the new rules this year rather than after the 60 minutes of regulation, if a game's tied, it going to a five on five overtime for five minutes. Now it goes to a three on three overtime for five minutes. And then, as far as the NCAA concerns, whatever happens in that overtime period is the final outcome of the game tie. For UNO win for UNO loss for UNO it doesn't matter after that three on three, the official NCAA record books that's what happens in conference. No, pol- it's a
0: tie, because it's three on three. NCAA is a tie, no matter what.
1: It's not a win if you win.
0: Nope, because it's three on three and not five on five for NCAA purposes. It's still a tie.
1: See, I'm 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 seeing that as a one because we've got. UNO is 2-1-0 in the record books right now.
0: Yeah, that that shouldn't be the case. Uh, I mean, at least what they published from the NCAA this summer was that they weren't counting any overtimes regardless of how the leagues format their overtime.
1: Okay, well, in the, in the shootout, though, it would be considered a tie. If after the three-on-three, three, it goes to the shootout period, which is a conference-only thing for the NCHC, whoever wins that shootout, it doesn't matter. That's just for the extra conference point. So right. here's, here's the way. I have the rules here. Would you like me to? I will, I will read them. Okay. Per NCAA okay. rule changes that occurred during the summer, five-on-five five overtime will no longer be played in the regular season. All NCHC and NCAA games beginning this 2020-21 season will go directly to three-on-three three overtime if a game is tied after regulation. One five-minute three-on-three overtime period will be played. If a team scores, they are considered the winning team while the other team is the losing team. All statistics and goals scored in three-on-three overtime will now count both for individual statistics and the final score, unlike past seasons. If a non-conference game remains tied following the three-on-three overtime, it would simply end and be considered a tie per NCAA rules. If a conference game is still tied following the three-on-three overtime, the game will go to a three-person shootout to determine the extra point in the standings in past season, the NCHC has used a one person sudden death victory shootout, but now we'll switch to a three person shootout with one less overtime being played. So the three on three period structurally is still the same as the five on five overtime period, but the NCW the NCHC has changed. So as you will recall, last season, the NCHC had a five on five overtime period and then they went to a four on four overtime period for to determine the extra conference point and then if it was still tied after that the nchc then had that shootout but now the nchc after that three on three overtime period is just going with a shootout to determine the extra conference point but but in this instance because uno got the goal in the three on three overtime which was a great goal by martin sunberg who we've been talking about a lot. It counts yeah. as a win in the NCAA record books. Um, so it's a, it's kind of from conference play perspective, it's kind of a truncated overtime. You don't have the extra skating period. And then that you just have that three on three and then the shootout and conference points are a little bit different though. After that three on three overtime period, um, You know, a win will be worth three points while a loss in regulation is worth zero points, as is the case with regulations. But if a game remains tied after regulation, one point will be awarded to each team. And this is just for conference race purposes only. One additional point will then be given to the team that wins the three-on-three overtime or the three-person shootout. So as we said, UNO got two points out of this because the game went to overtime but in the NCAA stand you know, record books and in the NCAA sandals, this counts as a win for UNO. So UNO would officially be two and one after this game.
0: I know it doesn't matter this season, but it will be interesting to see how that would affect the pairwise rankings because RPI has always factored in. Well, it has never. I mean, it's always factored in ties. It's never factored in. Three on three or four on four or shootout wins and things like that. And that's the reason why the NCAA was always like, if you want to do something to figure out your conference stuff, go right on ahead and do it. For NCAA purposes, because of the pairwise, we're essentially counting anything that ends after 60 minutes as a tie.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know what they do as far as the the power ratings and things like that. I'm just saying, I mean, and I don't know if they'll weight anything differently because it's a three on three overtime or not. I think the reason the NCAA did that was to address some of the conferences, you know, having these kind of I for want of a better term, just kind of they were all over the place with their, you know, awarding the extra conference point after the overtime period structure, and I think the reason that they went to the three-on-three overtime period was to create the likelihood that somebody would score in that overtime period and that the game wouldn't end in a tie. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, well, this one only took, what, 15 (laughs) seconds?
1: (laughs) Well, and last night in the uh, North Dakota game, you and I watched Jordan Kawaguchi scored. Their their hot uh, offensive player scored in the overtime period, too. So we've had two... OT period games in the row where we've got in a row where we've gotten to test this thing out. So um, yeah, it does. It, it, as we've talked about before, four on four and three on three definitely opens up the ice um, and creates a lot more opportunities. So Joey Abati took it into the zone, had a great pass to Martin Sundberg and it was a great goal for him. Uh, It was good for UNO because again, as we said before, when the ice is open like that, you never know what's going to happen.
0: I mean, if you want to be competing against the likes of Duluth and North Dakota at the end of the season and, you know, challenging for tops in the leagues, this was a game you had to get three points out of. But, you know, for where UNO is and where they've come the last few seasons, a two-point victory is, you know, is very good for them. It keeps them you know, in the top half of the league currently inside the pod. Uh, It puts them in striking distance of, you know, what would be home ice advantage in an NCHC playoff
1: round. Yeah, absolutely. Right now UNO is uh, UNO's fourth place in the NCHC. It was kind of funny. They showed the NCHC grid the other night, and Colorado College, who just arrived in Omaha because of the COVID concerns with that team, they actually would have made (laughs) home. Oh mice under that structure with no games played at all because they were like right they were like right in the middle so yep we're uh we're right out there and i you know you look at it we got three points so far we're right behind saint cloud who we play tomorrow night tomorrow Mm -hmm. yeah tomorrow night tomorrow afternoon um i'm not sure i'm not
0: it's the eight o'clock is
1: it the night game yeah i i wasn't uh i wasn't quite sure what time we were playing so yeah, that'll yeah, be a so great one. St. Cloud, eight
0: o'clock Sunday night.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So so it's gonna be exciting to see. It's gonna be exciting to see what uh what transpires in that game against St. Cloud. And it, regardless, it was a good win for UNO. This was this was this was at times it was it was not uh, it was not the flashiest game to watch, uh, for sure. You'd much rather watch UNO uh Roll up ten goals on a an NCHC foe, but not all games are going to be like that. So, uh, I was happy. Uh, I was happy to see UNO UNO come out with the win, two and one so far. That's a great start for them in this uh, pod against some uh, some good teams, good competition, and uh, we get St. Cloud, a team that we haven't had a lot of success the past several seasons in the NCHC.
0: And we get to go sit on the visitors' bench again.
1: I, so far, I like sitting on the visitor's bench wearing the uh, black jerseys, Jason.
0: <laughs> I do like the black jerseys. So we should talk players of the game. Do you want to start do you want me to go first?
1: Uh, I'll let you go first. I think I've gone first the last uh, two times, so I'll, I'll let you uh, you make a pick.
0: I had a number of people on my list. I was trying to narrow it down, and I gave up. And decided that rather than pick a player, uh, I'm going to give the quote-unquote player of the game nods to the penalty killers. The job that they did on the five-minute killing off the the major for Conley, uh, I think they ended up killing off six total power plays uh, for Miami. And, I mean, they were just... They were always on the puck. They had good space in the lanes their sticks were active they did a much better job I think this game and the last game about getting pucks out when they got them and not kind of holding on for that one last look or you know just blindly throwing it they were really good about once they got the puck heads up find the outlet get the puck out and just go from there you know and on a penalty kill that's really what you're looking for is just to burn time so so rather than pick any one of them, I'm going to just say the whole group of them were the best players on the ice for the Mavs.
1: Uh, they did a good job blocking shots tonight, for sure. They've done that through uh, the last two games. And uh, and uh, I believe it was Dave Starman who pointed out uh, in the broadcast how good UNO's stick work was in the game. So you're absolutely right. They did a great job minimizing shot opportunities for miami tonight and i think that that is a nice pick an unconventional pick but i like that pick i'm gonna go with a a traditional player and it's it would be very easy to go with one of the two goal scorers chase primo or martin sunberg two players who've had success through the first three games of this nchc pod but i'm going to go with the defenseman brandon scanlon who had an assist on both of those goals. One of the exciting young defensemen on this team. I, I've liked the player uh, over the course of the, this season and last season. And I'm going to go with him on the game that, that rocket, as I mentioned from the first national bank logo out there by the blue line club helped put UNO up 1-0 early. It was a, it was a, an important goal in this uh, low scoring affair. Um, so got to go with Scanny on this. So.
0: He was definitely one that was up there on my list. If you were going to force me to pick one, because you wouldn't let me get away with the whole picking the uh, <laughs> entire penalty kill unit, which is like half the team. Um, Abate was the other one that was going to be on my list, and I know he gets he gets the goal in the overtime winner, uh, not but not just because of that. Like I thought he did an excellent job in the circles. Uh, he did a really good job of getting release off the faceoffs. Yep. And that's one thing with, with centers that really makes a big difference between, um, you know, a good center and a great center. Great centers find a way to, even when they lose the draw, to have an advantage. And he was doing a great job of, of getting off the line and stuff, uh, getting in there. when he had those opportunities, and I thought he did a great job of creating chances and stuff for UNO throughout the game.
1: Yeah, Joey Abate is a guy who plays with his heart on his sleeve, and he did that tonight. And you can tell that out there. You can see that effort. We saw it last season, and uh, it's great to see him getting off to a good start this season. And, uh, yeah, I I completely agree with uh, everything you just said. Exciting player to watch.
0: Yeah. So we're back at it tomorrow night, 8 p.m., St. Cloud, we'll, uh, we'll do another podcast after the game and throw that up there and you'll have, you'll have a break. So you'll have some more time to go back and catch up on episodes after that. Uh, UNO does not play on Monday and the pod does not play on Monday. So there's nothing to watch until Tuesday after
1: that. So, well, it's going to be exciting to take on coach Brett Larson and the Huskies, uh, tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that game. It should be an exciting one. Uh, St. Cloud perennially is a, a tough team, even in seasons when they're uh when they're down. And uh I don't know what your pick is for that game. We uh I don't know what our results are picking so far. I don't know. I just keep picking that UNO is gonna win three to one. So I'm probably gonna stick with that since it's since we're undefeated that way. So I'm gonna say UNO is gonna defeat the Huskies three to one. It's always tough when you're dealing with a a veteran goaltender like David Rennick. For St. Cloud, Uh, it's like a hunter shepherd. It seems like he's been in net for, you know, 12 and a half years for uh, for St. Cloud. But he is a he's a tough, tough goaltender. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, St. Cloud doesn't have some of the big names, big scores that they had before, but uh, but they can uh, put up the shots and put up the points.
0: Yeah, they had a really good first game. Uh, they've got Denver tonight in the night game, so they've got the shorter turnaround than UNO. Um, and I think that they have a, a bigger test to them tonight with Denver, especially Denver's position of having lost close games so far. Um, I don't know how they're going to do tonight, which is part of why I'm hesitant to make a pick, but... I'm going to go out and say that UNO wins 4-2, just mostly off the case of uh, St. Cloud being a little bit more tired. And UNO seemingly right now using their speed very well to create opportunities. uh, I think that'll kind of um, further exasperate any uh, issues that St. Cloud may have at this point in time. So, So we're both picking wins.
1: Yeah. And as you mentioned, the size and the speed of UNO so far this season has been uh, been very, very impressive. So they're developing and evolving under Coach Gabinette, Coach Noel Bernier and Coach Girard, uh into a, a really well-oiled machine that looks like uh, looks like they've got a lot of good, solid depth. So yeah. so we will see what happens. Uh, we will see what happens uh, in the game. I'm excited to Should see. be a good it. game should be a good game. Looking forward to watching some hockey right after this podcast and I know a lot of the listeners out there are looking forward to that as well. So until next time, which will not be that long. <laughs> yeah. Be sure be sure to follow Map Puck on Facebook, Twitter. Uh you can listen to back episodes on this of this podcast at MabPuck.com. and and uh we obviously appreciate you guys listening, appreciate you sharing the podcast. Yes. Uh, love it when you like and uh you know give us good ratings on the podcast uh it, uh, it motivate us to keep going so until next time go Mavs go Mavs